trapped on a weapon of mass destruction, Castine and Laris desperately try to save themselves from Captain Navarro's wrath. Castian, you are on a secret asteroid base that has been retrofitted to become a weapon of mass destruction traveling via hyperspace. You are also surrounded by about two dozen stormtroopers, former stormtroopers. Their classification is a little bit up in the air. Either way, they don't like you. They've got blasters pointed at you. What do you do? Castian stares at Captain Nabarro for a good 10, 15 seconds, his lightsaber still held in his hands, but Castian knows that he could reflect two, three, maybe even four blaster bolts coming towards him. Not two dozen. So finally, Castian's grip on his lightsaber wavers and he lowers it slightly. So what's the plan, Nabarro? Just send us all to our death? This is one final suicide mission, you, your 300 soldiers, and Captain Jane and myself? I will admit, this is not going precisely according to my plan. You are troublesome in that way. But we all at least have the opportunity to make it out of this alive if you play nice. And how do you expect that to happen? It's not like we can take an escape pod or a ship out of here during hyperspace. And once we enter normal space, I believe that ends with a big boom, bang, and the entire planet's atmosphere ignites as you dramatically monologued. There will be approximately 60 to 90 seconds that we have between exiting hyperspace and colliding with the shields. Enough time for everyone to go through evacuation procedures. Uh-huh. I guess I just have one more question. And this time I'm not just talking to Captain Nabarro. Castian is turning his gaze to the soldiers, the stormtroopers, the former stormtroopers, the officers. When did you all decide to turn into the killers that took your planet? Yes, you are destroying a military target. But there are men, women, and children. There are merchants. There are teachers. There are sanitation workers on that planet. There are millions, if not billions, of innocent individuals. And just because they run the flag of the Empire does not mean that they deserve to experience what your loved ones experienced. They are going to look up in the sky and suddenly see something that is no moon and it is going to kill them. And they will be scared and they will die confused. Like your mother, your father, your sister, your lover. And you're okay with this? You've accepted this burden? Are there no survivors of Alderaan? Did you all die when your planet exploded? Because this is not the nobility of Alderaan I witnessed. Let's make that a leadership role. I'm going to make that hard with two setback dice. I would like to use my last destiny point to make one of my greens a yellow. Okay. Three failures, but four advantages. So you definitely failed that. 
There is a long pause at the end of your speech. And Captain Nabarro is surveying the room, waiting to see what the reaction is. And when he turns to you, he looks insufferably smug. Did it feel good to get that off your chest? Because such sympathizing for the Empire has no place here. Castian tightens his grip on his lightsaber and then says, Then how are we ending this, Nabarro? I have no intention of making you face your maker any sooner than the Force wills you to. You do not have to die today, Castian. You do not have to endure this mission to its bloody last moments. You and your captain, Laris, isn't that right? Yes, you and Captain Laris will be housed comfortably in an escape pod. Now, if you cause the slightest hint of trouble from your prison, you will be launched into hyperspace, and you will be lost for eternity. But if you sit there like good girls and boys, you will be launched into regular space the moment we emerge from hyperspace. Castine's not a trusting type. He flicks his eyes to the left, right, kind of looking for anything that might help him in this situation. Or, of course, this can all come to a bloody end right now. And Captain Nabarro raises a, a hand and signals behind you. You hear the door opening and more footsteps walking in. Castian glances over his shoulder. Where you see Laris is being held at blaster point. Again, there is a long 10, 15 seconds of silence before finally Castian deactivates his blade. I knew you were a smart one. A couple of the soldiers approach you. Castian hands his lightsaber blade, and then he grabs his blaster and slowly lifts it up from the holster and offers it as well. And Castian is just going to play this really cool. He's removing his weapon belt. He's handing it over. He's giving them his communicator. He's just looking like he is given up. However, he does have a stealth blade. It's, it looks like an ornate hair clip. And he's just hoping that no one finds it. The soldiers seem to take you at your word. They don't even pat you down. They are seeing you act with honor. And they rolled three failures and a threat. So they are not going to question this after you willingly hand over your weapons. Castian then just holds his hands out in front of him. He surrenders. And the soldiers frog march you and Laris back into the corridors, heading back towards the docking bay where the escape pods are. Castian shouts over his shoulder as the door closes in the situation room. This is wrong, Nabarro! This is wrong! And then he just follows. For a good minute and a half, he's just brewing in his anger before finally he shoots a glance towards Laris and mumbles, where's Bone? Bone has been deactivated with a restraining bolt. And where is he now? On the ship. Okay. At least that was where I last saw him. And Skidder? I did not see him. 
And with that, the soldiers deposit you in the escape pod. This escape pod is built to maybe take six people in it. So there is some space, but it's six people who are supposed to be strapped into benches, you know, seating three on each side. So there's certainly no padding, nothing to make this a nice space. This is supposed to be the better option than blowing up in space. Castian gets in and just turns towards where the entrance of the escape pod is. Are they locking them in? Is there a force field? Yes, they are locking you in. And, you know, as he looks outside the window after the door closes, he counts the troopers that are standing in front of the escape pod. There are four. And he, of course, tugs on the door just lightly to see if it's locked. It's locked. And then he sighs, grabs the back of his head, and then turns towards Laris. All right. I apologize, sir. For? It is my lapses that have allowed this situation to take hold. No, it's my anger. It's always my anger. I was blind and angry, and I followed a madman, and now I gave him the tools in order to... Laris, they're going to blow up a planet. They used something they found on Dantooine in order to launch this comet through hyperspace. It's going to ignore the proximity alarms, the jamming equipment that keeps ships from slamming into planets, and it's it's going to get them close enough to the shield to, well, when this asteroid exits hyperspace, whenever that is, we have 90 seconds to get off of it before it collides with the planetary shields and utterly destroys all life on the planet. Press belt. It's a military planet. You wouldn't happen to know how long it would take this asteroid to get to press belt, would you? If I had that knowledge, it has been erased. All right. Well, um, other bad news is we can't possibly try to escape this or else they launch us in the hyperspace, and I doubt this has the shielding to actually make us survive re-entry into normal space. Considering it is an escape pod that is designed for an asteroid base, and in normal situations, asteroids do not travel through hyperspace, I concur with your hypothesis. Then we play nice. And Castian just takes a seat and rubs his face. Laris, I'm sorry. It seems like we are always getting in these adventures. And we always make it out with the skin of our teeth. After a second, he just kind of smiles and lowers his head. Do you remember our first mission together? We were assigned to investigate an unnamed planet in search of an Athorian Jedi Master. When I first met you, I was so annoyed. I, I thought you were assigned to me to, to be a, um, a spy, to keep an eye on me. And I'm sure you would, don't get me wrong, I understand we both did things that we weren't proud of, but I just want to say thank you for being so much more, for being truly my best friend and 
and someone that no matter how many times I've messed up seems to always believe in me. So I need to ask you, do we just sit here and hope they remember to hit the escape pod when they leave? Or do we try to escape and risk death by hyperspace? I no longer want to make decisions with your life because it is eternally special to me. Logically, it makes the most sense to wait. Captain Nabarro is a very driven individual, but seems to operate with a code of honor. If he says that he is going to allow us to escape unharmed, then I do believe he intends it. But not speaking logically, when we realize there are billions on that planet. I do not wish to sit around doing nothing. And for, with that, Castanian just stands up and moves to sit next to her. And he pulls his blade out from his hair and nuzzles it in her hands as if they're just holding hands, you know, to comfort. And he mumbles, I was able to bring a blade in. I don't think that's going to be able to cut through the door, clearly, but... Clearly. Is there any way we could get that door open, rewire it, anything like that? Perhaps. Okay. What do you need me to do? Do a distraction? Yes. Fantastic. And Castian stands up and he walks to the window and he just leans forward and glares through it as if trying to once again get a sense of what's happening here. And he's just trying to block the window. And if anybody yells for him to sit down, he'll talk. Let's have Laris get started on trying to escape from here. She gets to do some actions here before anybody even notices because you're not being ostentatious about it. You're just standing at the door. You're not actively trying to get anyone's attention, certainly. Okay, and on her first roll, Laris gets three successes and four advantages. Laris is starting off very, very strongly as she starts to try to unscrew a panel but then decides that time is of the essence and uses the blade to actually just cut into it and starts physically slicing into this. Literally with the blade, cutting away components. She's pulling wires, crisscrossing them, trying to jerry-rig a way out of here. And Cassian's is keeping his face placid and staring straight ahead, trying to look resigned. Let's give those stormtroopers a chance to notice something. And with one advantage, one of the stormtroopers looks back and sees you looming in the window and yells at you, you presume to say sit down, but you realize this is a door that is intended to stand up to the vacuum of space, so it's actually soundproof. You can't hear exactly what they're saying, but you get the gist. Castian shakes his head and then points towards his ears and looks confused. <laughs> Again, he's playing dumb, which honestly, after four seasons, we all can acknowledge he can nail. I won't make you roll for it. I think they believe that you're dumb. As you and the stormtrooper are having your pantomime, Laris continues. Okay, this roll. Wow. We've got three successes. Laris's slicing is going very, very well. There's a threat 
Okay, there's a little setback there. There's a despair. Very not good. And then there's two triumphs. Wow. And triumphs and despairs don't cancel each other out. So we got to deal with all of this happening here from the result of this dice roll. So our threat is Laris's activity has been noticed. All of the stormtroopers are now looking at you pantomiming that you can't hear through the door. So there is enough attention that Laris is noticed. And one of those stormtroopers, really good at following orders, sees that she's up to something and is going to the lever to launch the escape pod. No, 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 no. And then a vent above the stormtrooper opens. And dropping directly onto the head of the one who was going for that lever is Skitter. Skitter drops out of the vents as he is so prone to do, dropping his rather substantial weight directly down onto the stormtrooper, flattening them for the moment. It is pure chaos outside the window as the other stormtroopers react to this spider droid appearing out of a seemingly nowhere. And they are beginning to open fire. Castian is going to use the force. He's going to try to use the force now in order to slam one of those troopers up into the corridor's ceiling and then slam them back down, trying to give Skitter as much help as he can possibly do without being there. Castian has a ton of discipline, so I got two light side, one success, and two triumphs. So Castian grabs one of the stormtrooper and just launches him up into the air, slamming his helmet right into that vent before dropping him back to the ground. With two triumphs, yes, that stormtrooper is done. Castian is yelling back over his shoulder, open the door, get the door open quickly! And with Laris's two triumphs, she will be able to get that door open. Before the door opens, the stormtroopers are going to get a chance to respond, firing their blasters at Skitter. And with just two advantages, not very much happens. Blaster bolt fire goes wild, but not much else is, is happening. Since Laris did roll very well, yes, now the door opens. Castian pushes it open with a hiss and then immediately throws both his arms out and tried to slam one of the stormtroopers into the other. Castian is going to feed into the dark side. He has to use both dark side points in order to make it happen. So he feeds into the dark side, but the force does slam into one of them for one advantage and five successes. 10 points of damage, slamming one into the other. One is definitely down, another is very injured, but not out yet. And that stormtrooper that is still functional uses as what is most likely their last act to hit a button on the wall. Prisoners have escaped. All be on alert. Castian is just slamming his boot into the guy's face, trying to silence him. Yes, that stormtrooper is done. Castian immediately reaches down and grabs hold of two carbines that the stormtroopers dropped. After that announcement, the door to the escape hatch closes again. There was some kind of override, and Laris is still inside. No, 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 no! Castian slams against the escape pod door, 
and just stares at her wide eyes, and he's trying to pry this open. Get this thing open immediately! Stand back! Castian steps away from the door. Skitter ambles over to the control panel and rather indelicately sticks his wrench hand in and is going to try to hack this open. With a hiss and a shriek and far too many sparks flying, the door opens. Castian reaches in and just grabs Laris, pulling her out, not taking any chances to see if this thing launches or not. And he just grabs her and stumbles back and then looks towards Skitter. Who rolled two successes and a despair. Skitter has fallen to the floor, twitching. You can see circuits have melted and fused together. And in fact, his whole skeleton looks to be electrified. Skitter? Skitter, get up. Skitter, it is time for us to continue on our escape mission. Skitter! And Cassian looks towards the corridor where he swears he can hear the sound of boots coming. Laris, we can come back for him later. We need to get going. We, we should not leave him. Yeah. We, we have to get going. Castian is grabbing her hand and he is pulling her towards the opposite direction of where he's hearing those boots. And he casts one more panic look towards Skitter, feeling actually really bad about leaving a comrade behind, hoping that he's just wounded and can be repaired. But with that being said, Castian and Laris are leaving the only way that Castian knows how which is through the vents that Skitter went through. He grabs Laris around the waist and launches himself into the vents. And they are crawling away. Which way do we go? Just follow me. And that might signal to Laris that he knows where he's going, but he doesn't. Right now, Castian is just trying to put enough distance because he knows that those stormtroopers are probably going to be keenly aware of how they escaped, where they went. So he's just trying to put enough zigzags between their path. So for about five minutes, they're just crawling as fast as they can. And whenever Laris stops to ask him a question, he just says, no, just keep on following me. And every time you pass a vent, you can see that the ship is just an absolute hive of activity. Stormtroopers are running around fully armed, which you can't imagine was part of the plan. But obviously, this is an all hands on deck situation to track you down and stop you from ruining this very carefully laid plan. Castian finally finds an intersection big enough for them both to sit down and face each other. And Castian rubs his face covered in soot and dirt because this is still a very old facility that's probably not seen too much maintenance or cleaning in a long time. And he looks towards Laris. Okay, Laris. We need options. This thing is traveling through hyperspace. It is going to hit this planet in stars knows how long. What would you do in order to bring a stop to this entire thing? Laris looks panicked for a moment. And then calm comes over her face as she retreats into the comfort and reliability of numbers and schematics and probability. Shut down the hyperdrive. Okay, so if we shut down the hyperdrive, it would pull us into real space. This is a big enough vessel that we might actually survive coming out of it in such a reckless manner. 
It is an experimental hyperdrive. There is certainly a possibility that the sympathetic resonance frequencies could bring the entire asteroid shaking apart. Okay, well, you know what? I have faith in the sympathetic resonance. I have, I have faith that... I believe in the Force. Where is the most logical place they'd keep a hyperdrive? At the deepest point of the asteroid. The bottom, if such terms have any meaning in space. Okay. I don't have my lightsaber, so this is going to be a lot of fun for both of us. We have a stealth blade, and he hands her one of the stormtroopers' blaster carbines, and he holds up one that he took as well. These are our only weapons. And we have about, I don't know, 300 very angry stormtroopers downstairs looking for us. So what we need to do, what we need to do is find either a disguise to help us move freely, though Nambara would be thinking that, or we need to find a way to the deepest part of the asteroid, which a minor rat like myself might be able to help us out with. These facilities, these asteroid mines, they are filled with veins. Uh, they used to send uh, children in in order to map them out. I am certain that we should be able to use maybe one of the old mining veins. And if we can find the main junction, that is the old ore processing area, we might be able to take that straight down to the center, the hub, if you will. All right, let's see if you can. Perception? I think it would actually be a knowledge skill. Okay. It would be something along Outer Rim, I would say. Yes. Can I have a blue dice? Because this is Castian's backstory. Absolutely. And since it's important, I'm going to use one of my destiny points in order to make one of my greens into a yellow. And what's the difficulty? This is going to be hard with a setback die. I got one success. Yay! Just a straight up one success. Okay. Thank God I spent the destiny points. With one success... It's slow going, but you're making progress. They're moving through the vents, which eventually turn into veins. There's no longer a metal wall that surrounds them. It is stone. And then Castian spots something that he never thought he'd be excited to see. Chiseled into the rock is a mining language. Something that just a quick symbol that a lot of these corporations have taken upon, you know. It's kind of a direction of like, this is where you're at. And Castian licks his thumb and runs it along the grooves of this, like, old carved stone. And he mumbles, All right, that's what I was looking for. It's a symbol saying that we are on the... And he runs his fingers along some bumps. We are pretty high up, but this should take us down to a T-junction. If we go left, that'll lead us closer to the ore mining. We just have to keep an eye out for more of these markings. Yes, these will lead the way. And Castian taps at it a few more times before pointing straight ahead into the darkness. They don't have, like, really anything to help them navigate through this darkness. It is, as you said, very slow going as they are stumbling through this old vein. The shaft begins to get warmer the deeper down you go indicating that most likely you're heading towards some kind of power source. Maybe, if you're lucky, you're even going directly to where they have retrofitted this asteroid for the experimental hyperdrive. Castian is going to rely on his hand continuously running over the left side of this vein 
until he, of course, feels grooves, which again tells him just by touch alone what sector of the asteroid he's in. And from there, he's just going to keep on going deeper and deeper. And honestly, it's an interesting thing. Castian is so worried about just getting to the hyperdrive. He hasn't really thought about the darkness, the shadows. He's literally in an asteroid mine, his nightmare. And that darkness isn't with him now. I was just going to ask about that, but I like it. You begin to hear the hum of an engine. There it is. Yes, it must be. Castian is going to try to find some sort of exit out of this vein. Not only is it getting warm, but you finally begin to feel a draft of hot air, but fresh air. You've almost escaped. And you begin to see the literal light at the end of the tunnel. But when you reach the end of this vein, when you carefully poke your head out to take stock of where it's depositing you, you are easily a hundred feet above the ground. It is a cavernous chamber that was carved out of this asteroid in order to house the initial thruster engines that the asteroid had been equipped with as a mine. I wouldn't know an engine from a capacitor. Do I just see machinery underneath me? Yes. And Cassian is looking down at the cliff face, which he guesses he's going to have to climb down. It is a fairly sheer cliff face. All right, Laris. Um, well, I hope you didn't skip gym class as a child because this is going to be difficult. And Castian is carefully turning around before lowering himself out of this vein. How are you with heights, by the way? They have never bothered me before, but I am discovering new fears rather often. Oh, right. Well, uh, the most important thing is do not look down. But without looking down, how am I supposed to ascertain? You looked down, didn't you? How else was I supposed to ascertain where to put? Okay, just, 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 just don't think about it. Laris, I'm a Jedi. I can catch you if you fall. Just focus on climbing. But what if you fall? I can fly, he says, clearly not believing that. And then he's just going to start moving his way down. All right. This is going to be an athletics roll. Difficulty? We are going to make this a daunting test. That is four purple. Okay. And I'm upgrading one of those. So three purple and one red. You have a setback die because you have no gear with you. I failed and I got three threats. However, I failed by one and I can use the force to enhance my athletics and I got two light side. So I'm going to use my two light side to bring that failure into one success. But I still got my three threats. You start to climb down and it goes smoothly for the first couple of feet. And then you miss your toehold and you are sliding down this rock face. You are desperately reaching out to the force to stop your, not quite free fall, but you are scrabbling at the rock face trying to find purchase. And this is actually going to scrape up your palm so badly you take one wound. 
Castian digs his fingers in, and he just feels the skin peeling away before finally he just connects and holds still. He doesn't even have a place to have his feet right now. He is literally hanging on by a loose stone. And then he finally reaches up, grabs a more secure stone with his undamaged hand, and then secures his feet. He looks towards Laris and says, Told you I could fly. Hurry up, slowpoke. And he continues down, ignoring the pain in his hand. Laris rolled two successes. What? And three threats. Okay. Laris is getting hurt too. She makes kind of a very similar mistake that you do uh, and has to rely on good old human grit and ingenuity to stop herself from becoming a puddle on the ground. So this is a terrifying experience for both of us. Truly. But we are determined. And at this point, it's probably impossible for us to go back the way we came. So we are determined because it's the only option. I like to think after about two minutes of them just being terrified that they start working kind of in tandem. Castian mentioning my left hand's on the stone right now, about two meters away from your foot. I'm releasing. You can step down. And that's how they are getting down this, with just working together like a well-oiled, bloody machine. And so it goes, step by perilous, nail-biting step. What is your plan? Right now, the plan is to get down to the floor Mm -hmm. and hopefully not, like, land in front of a bunch of stormtroopers. There's certainly stormtroopers. You can see people moving far below you. They are trying to be stealthy. As you are approaching sort of the the level of peripheral view of the stormtroopers, I'd like you to make a stealth check. You are certainly going to make it down. I'm not making you roll again to see if you make it down successfully. Now it's just to see, do you evade notice? Okay, and what is their perception? It is merely average. And I am still going to give you a setback die because your options are very limited and you are on a bare wall. One success, just straight up. Okay. What would you like to hide behind as you reach the ground? Castian falls the last five feet, lands in a crouch, and honestly, they're just behind, it looks like an old ore grinder, and he is going to stand up and take hold of Laris's hips as she is dropping down as well, just to give her a little bit more cushion, and then he's stumbling back with her and falling on their butts behind this processor. All right, you did good. You did good. Let me see your hands. And Laris shows you her hands that are scraped raw and bloody. Okay, that's not so bad. That's not so bad. And he is tearing off some cloth from his sleeve and wrapping it around her hands. And he whispers to her, All right, so this is the old ore processing center. Um, It's definitely hot in here, so something is on, which makes me assume that this is probably where they've stored the engine or at least the power source. Can you peek over this unit and see if you could find where the hyperdrive might be located? Yes, yes, of course. And Castian and her both just kind of peek up over the machinery. Laris scans the area before she points to a 
bundle of wires leading from a central console that are then tacked up against the wall and lead across the ceiling into another tunnel. That, that appears to be conduit wiring for a hyperdrive. If we follow that, we should be able to find the engine? Correct. Cassian looks around and kind of grabs her shoulder and they lower themselves as a couple of stormtroopers walk by. Clearly, we're not alone here, so we need to try to make our way there as stealthily as possible. If not, he taps at the carbines in their hands. Understood. And now Cassian's just waiting for a moment for him and Laris to move towards those conduit wires. All right, let's roll stealth. Instead of having both of you roll, how about you roll for the two of you and add one green die to your roll? Let's make it average difficulty with a setback die. There's not a ton of places for you to hide, plus the stormtroopers are on alert. They know that you guys are out there. I got two successes, but two threats. I'm going to hold on to those threats. Okay. But with your two successes, the two of you are able to sneak to the entrance of this tunnel that hopefully leads to the hyperdrive. Castian is getting to the shadows, waits a couple seconds, takes a deep breath, and then just enters the tunnel. And he is moving as quickly as they can. The tunnel that you enter is fairly short. There's actually not even any lighting of its own in here. Ahead, you see a cool blue light, but no other sign of anyone else in this tunnel. Okay, Castian's going to keep on moving forward. That cool blue light is coming from a smaller cavern, and this place looks rather slapdash put together. You recognize, generally, though you haven't seen this exact configuration before, that this is a coolant area for a hyperdrive. Obviously, this asteroid was not designed to have some kind of hyperdrive installed in it. So this coolant area has been kind of jerry-rigged together. So there's still tools scattered about. The place is messy with oil and dust from where they had to carve into the asteroid itself. As Laris comes up behind you, she points to the ceiling again where that conduit wiring, which continue past this cavern, which is about 10 feet in diameter, to one more tunnel. Oh, this way, Castian says as he starts moving past all the equipment of the coolant room, heading towards hopefully that last stretch of the adventure. Before you can reach that other tunnel, though, a figure steps out from behind one of the coolant tanks. A larger stormtrooper, heavily built, very familiar looking, especially once he removes his helmet. Larrabee, Castian pauses, his blaster raising and just aiming at the man. Larrabee is carrying a heavy blaster carbine, and it's at the ready, but it's not pointed at you. I don't want to fight you. Castian raises a brow before taking a short step forward. Well, I'm not going back into an escape pod. I know. And Larrabee lowers his blaster and reaches for a pouch on his side. Castian raises his weapon and takes a step forward. No, 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 no. I have something you need. He hesitates for a few seconds before just nodding his head for him to continue. And Larrabee reaches into the pouch and he pulls out your lightsaber hilt. Castian scrunches up his brows before kind of lowering his own blaster and moving towards the man to take hold of the lightsaber. Why are you helping me? I can't go against my captain. 
but I don't necessarily agree with the steps that he's taking. I will stop him. I will stop all this destruction, and I promise you afterwards I will... I will do what I can to help you find justice. But not this way. Before Larrabee can say anything else, the sound of a sniper rifle rings out through the cavern. And Larrabee falls to the ground. Castian activates his lightsaber and backs up, trying to pinpoint where that blaster shot came from. It came from above, but you can't quite see where yet. As you hear another familiar voice call out. I'm sorry, Castian. Pips. I can't let you do this. Castian is moving back, his lightsaber raised, ready to deflect anything fired his way. He's trying to get Laris behind him. I'm giving you one chance to get back to that escape pod. Not a chance. I'm ending this before you make a mistake you can never take back. And Castian begins backing Laris up towards that tunnel where they need to go through. Not if I am this first. You hear a click, rather unassuming. And it's almost strange that you pick out this sound out of everything else that is happening in this area. But then you hear the unmistakable rumbling of a rock slide or a cave-in. And that cave behind you to the hyperdrive collapses. Castian grabs Laris and they both jump out of the way as this rock slide, I'm assuming, just completely obliterates their way to the hyperdrive. And then you hear Pips, obviously, on a communicator of some kind. They're in the coolant sector. I have them cornered. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fandible Solo Shot, Star Wars Force and Destiny podcast. You can now find all episodes on the Fandible Solo Shot podcast feed on iTunes and all other podcasting platforms. Please subscribe and leave us a review to help new listeners find us for their Star Wars actual play fix. You can also find us on Twitter at Solo Shot Podcast. And if you enjoy the stories we tell here and on the rest of the Fandible Podcast Network, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com fandible. Thanks again, and may the Force be with you always. A long, long, long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, Flight Risk is a Star Wars actual play crime dramedy podcast using the FFG Star Wars rule set and also set during the Old Republic era. Join Flight Risk and an eccentric group of mercenaries as they are thrust into the dark and violent world of organized crime. As agents of an enigmatic count, they traverse the outer rim in an attempt to not only survive, but to realize their destiny without losing their souls. Flight Risk is hosted by D. Wayne Feenstra with players Joe, Velvet, Nimoy, Kyle, and a whole bunch of additional guests from the podcast community each and every week. So don't miss out on all the fun. Look us up on Spotify, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher and enjoy the ride.